Hello again, everyone watching on Spotify or listening anywhere where you listen to your podcast of choice. My name is Jerry Strauss, and this is Celebrity Stage Stories. This is the place where your favorite stars of the stage and screen talk about their careers and their experiences performing uh, in front of you and for you, the fans. We're going to get their stories, experiences, and uh, we're just going to have a great time celebrating some of the reasons why we love Everyone who pops up on our show uh, this week certainly uh, is indicative of, of of our theme. Certainly, <laughs> no exception here, as we have someone we've uh, we've come to know and love everything she's done in the past, present, and uh, we know we will in the future as well. We're going to talk a little bit about all that this time out. Tina Majorino is here with us. Tina, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. So, so glad to have you. So glad to talk to you. So glad for you to be here. Now, you know, we talk about the past, present, future. We're here, and I know that you're here talking up a storm here, there, and everywhere about this new project that you have, I Challenger, this new uh, movie that is available digitally uh, now. So first of all, before we even really get into it, how are you feeling? This has to be an exciting time for you. It is a really exciting time. It feels like uh a rejuvenation of life <laughs> obviously because um because of the pandemic and everything any semblance of normalcy is just amazing for me so um <laughs> i'm very excited we shot this movie uh, two years ago, so I'm thrilled that it's finally coming out. It's just really a really happy time. Is this is this really for you kind of the first step back into the nor some part of the normal process of a project coming out in, in in that period of time? Yes, and it's thrilling for me. I was very excited waking up this morning knowing that I got to to do this, so I'm I'm really happy. <laughs> It's so weird. I mean, even to me, uh, like it's cool to have a day where you're required to wear something other than like pajamas. <laughs> like it still feels kind of new. Yeah, I I was just talking to Annie, the publicist, about this. Is that it's really hard to get out of that habit now, and so it feels really good when you actually are required to put on people clothes. I love it. <laughs> Well, look, you've been putting on people clothes and you've been in, in the limelight and putting out great things that, you know, so many people have loved for a long, long time. I want to go back to the beginning a little bit, because in reviewing your career, there's a, a first chapter that as a 90s pop culture geek as I am, even I had forgotten about. But I, I think this has to be pretty much at the beginning of your career. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Camp Wilder. Um, so before we even do that, what led you to that point? Because you were seven years old when you were on this sitcom called Camp Wilder. Yeah. What was your runway into the world of acting in general? I started out singing and dancing. I, I had watched Wizard of Oz obsessively as a baby, and I, at some point when I started to talk, told my mom that I want to do that. And I don't think that I knew what that was. I just wanted to perform. And so my mom put me into the singing and dancing group 
that at the end of X amount of time, you would perform in front of like 300 people. And she's like, this will scare her and she'll, she'll be over it. And it didn't. So then I, I kept doing that and doing little performances. And then I got into commercials, which then led into auditioning for Camp Wilder and, and getting Camp Wilder. And then it, you know, everything just sort of grew from there. Okay, cool. And, you know, you look back at, <laughs> you look at the lineup of this show, which I, I had kind of half forgotten about its existence, but I now, you know, now I remember it. I remember the, 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 um, the opening credits, um, kind of a who's who such a weird mix of people. I love that about when you can go back and look at old, like eighties and nineties projects and be like, what a interesting mix of people as we know them now, but you were there in the mix with, uh, Jerry O'Connell with, uh, Jay Moore, Hillary Swank was on the show. Jared Leto was on the show. Yeah. Uh, was at this stage of the game because you know the the instinct is like how did you feel you know working amongst all these amazing you know well known uh, stars, but everyone was kind of starting out at that point, right? This was sort of a, a an up and coming group of stars, yourself included. Yeah, and I think also even when I did go on to make films and I was working with humongous movie stars I was still a child and I had no idea I didn't look at actors that way if that makes sense I didn't have life experience to even know really what a famous person was or uh what a what a movie star was or anything it's just um so I have to you know obviously I can look back on those experiences as an adult and project what I feel now onto that. But as a child, I was just getting to do what I love to do. And I was around really, really talented people who took great care of me and taught me a lot. So it's interesting because like, if I had those experiences as an adult, my recollection would be completely different. But um, yeah, everybody was up and coming and we were all just excited to have work and excited to be together and making something fun. So, but you know, now looking back, it's like Hillary Swank is an Oscar winner. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, I don't know how many interviews she's doing where she's talking about Camp Wilder. So I appreciate you picking up the slack. No worries. Look, no, it was a it was a live before a studio audience taped sitcom, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, I mean, we talk about, you know, the idea of you know, everyone having their own stage stories beyond your initial foray into performing in front of 300 people. Um, and, and then going into this new, like, how did that strike you? Because that feels like a very intimidating thing, but as such a young kid, did it hit you that there was this pressure of having to be in front of a live audience? It's funny because as a kid, I loved it. I really liked the immediate response that you could get from an audience. And now as an adult, I'm so much shyer about that. And I'm so much more um, self-conscious about that. So when I was that age, it was so fun. And 
I mean, I don't care what anybody says. Sitcoms are probably the the sweetest gigs in the business as far as like your your schedule and and like the energy of it and and all of that because you rehearse all week and um, Friday night comes and you get to put on the show with your comrades. It's it's amazing. But um, when I was a kid, I I loved. I loved the whole ritual of doing that show. It was amazing. But now as an adult, it's like, I, I get very scared being in front of a lot of people. I get very nervous. So I don't know what that's about. Well, I think that's all of us. You know, we all, we all get more timid as, as the years go on, I think, which is why it's good to at least have the experience of facing those fears before yeah. they become fears. When you're, before you know they're going to be fearful things. Yeah, that's very true. And I feel like the the older that I get as an artist, I'm always just trying to get back to how I was when I was a kid. Wow. How to unlearn all of the stuff that you learn through um, being in the business and like having different experiences and, and whatever is just really trying to remember how it was when I was a child and that connection that I had and the... Um, not necessarily like a complete fear, fearlessness, but close to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you don't know better, like you said, you don't know any better. Blissful ignorance. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, talking about the mindset of trying to get back into your mindset from when you were younger, it wasn't that much longer after this. And I know we're skipping around a little bit, but in 1999, you decided to leave acting and you were gone for like half a decade. Was that something that you had planned out or were you just kind of tired of the whole gig and just wanted to leave and did you know you were coming back so it wasn't planned that wasn't like uh it wasn't a scheduled thing um i left because i was exhausted and i wanted to have a real life you know, when you're, when you're growing up in the business, it's amazing and it's incredible. And, and you're, you're constantly in places that you probably would never see if it weren't for, you know, being an actor. But, um, you know, I became very aware that like I was on the precipice of a new chapter of my life and I wanted to have real experiences as amazing and magical as it is to constantly be on sets and be playing pretend. It's like, I, I had to find a way to ground myself. And like, I didn't want all of my experiences to be fake. Right. Being somebody else. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I wanted to have a real first kiss. I didn't want to have my first kiss on a movie set when I wasn't just little things like that. And I wanted to go back to school and, and I didn't know if I was going to come back. I think um, lucky. I was very lucky in that I I worked really hard and I and I worked for many years consistently, and that's great. But I was so tired, and I and I also was aware that I was so young. Like I wanted to be sure that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I needed to take a break and and be with my family and be with my friends and live in one place and um you know it took me a while to find my way back to the passion that i have for it so it was definitely unplanned it was it was 
not a celebrated decision at all, but <laughs> who I am now, I, I, I give, I give credit to little me for knowing when I needed to take a time out because I, I, I'm really happy with where I'm at in my personal life. And the fact that I've had life experiences that now that I'm, that I'm back at it, it's like, I have things to pull from. And I think that that's really, I think personally, that's really important to have as an actor, have some, have life experience and real, um, real feelings to pull from. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, personally, there's nobody better than you who's more qualified to say whether it was a good decision or not. Clearly, you're very happy with how things turned out. But professionally, this is what I think is really cool because you come back in 2004. And I mean, for, it's not a long time after that, that you are now a part of probably two of the biggest projects that people know you for to this very day. Um, never could have seen something like Napoleon Dynamite coming like in life, <laughs> like in, in, in the whole, just in life in general, nobody could have ever predicted that a movie like this would exist. <laughs> and um, yeah. how did you, how did you come to be a part of that project? And what did you think about it? Like, what were your conceptions about it ahead of time? Because I can't imagine that it's possible to know exactly what that would turn out looking and sounding and feeling like until it was done. This is true. Um, to be honest, Napoleon was one of the first scripts that landed on my desk when I decided to come back. I had just signed with a new agent when I came back and she sent it to me and she said, this is really silly, like, whatever, just read it, see what you think. Um, and when I was a child, I was never really able to cross the threshold into anything comedic because I was seen as a dramatic young actress, which is amazing. But at the same time, as an actor, you're like, well, I want to try everything. I want to challenge myself. And and I'm not this like dark little child, like reacting. That's not who I am. I want to try something different. So because I had taken the break and people hadn't seen me for a while, I was like, well, maybe these people will give me a shot. Maybe they'll let me be funny. Maybe I could just go balls to the wall and like try something completely different. And I remember reading the script and falling in love with it. It's one of the most perfect scripts I've ever read in the bajillion years that I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Seriously, like people think that a lot of that movie is improvised and it's not. It was all on the page. It was hilarious. And it was one of those things where like, I mean, I still experience this when people watch it, where it's very polarizing. People either love it or they don't get it. Um, mm -hmm. And ergo hate it sometimes, whatever. But um, <laughs> everybody besides me on my team read it and was like, I don't, I don't get it. This right. is weird, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, this is so funny and I want to do it. And I had no expectation of it blowing up the way that, that it did. None of us did, like you said, none of us could have expected that. But the fantastic part of the, the whole process of making that movie is that we all genuinely believed in 
in it and believed in how hilarious it was. And we were fully committed and just wanted to make a, a, an amazing movie and we did. And so I think obviously it's always icing on the cake when you get commercial success, let alone when you have a lightning in a bottle experience like what happened with Napoleon. But I will say that we were all so happy with what we made before anything popped off with it. But it's also one of the best movie sets that I've ever been on in my life. And I've been on a ton. So it's like the camaraderie that we experienced, um, just people being so joyful to be at work. Nobody was jaded. Nobody, it was like such a beautiful re-entrance into working. Like I could not have asked for a better, um, a better welcome back party, if we're honest. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. It feels like you, your career is, um, it's defined a lot by gut and vibe and letting yourself be pulled into a project that, that you can feel is going to be quality from your perspective. And that's, that's kind of all that matters to you, which, which is essentially all that really should matter to, to an artist. So that's really cool because obviously it's benefited you in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, I mean, Napoleon Dynamite, you say you love it or you hate it. I also think it's the kind of movie that a lot of people will watch and hate, and then they need to watch it again, and then flips the script for them. That, this is true. I've, I've talked to a lot of people that that's, that that's happened. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's really, um, it, but I mean, I and I know that it was, you know, you're you're talking about what a great experience it was before it caught on but months and years later and to this very day i mean we're still talking about this this amazing thing that you were a part of that has to be kind of validating on some level right yes of course i mean i i would be lying if i said that i act solely for my own enjoyment for myself it's like obviously i want to make things that people want to watch and people enjoy watching like is that the sole driving force for anything that i do no i mean i, I like you just said i go off of gut and it, i want to work with with interesting people and i want to work with um you know, big filmmakers, small filmmakers. I just love what I do so much. So, you know, I don't, I have no control over how anybody's gonna respond to anything that I make, but I'm, I just feel constantly in gratitude that I get to make things and I get to do what I get to do every day for a living. So it's like, it's incredible when everything comes together yeah. <laughs> it can't obviously it can't be your driving force if it is your driving force to only be in hits and only make things that everybody loves like you're doomed you're really doomed but when it does come together like that i can't describe the feeling like it's it's one of the great honors of my life i still love it when people come up to me and reference it i love it and you know you just it's just what a special experience to get to be a part of something like that. Like 
it, and it feels in a very broad way you had a similar experience with Veronica Mars because here's yeah. a show that had a fan base and existed and it was just one of those things where the fan base got bigger and bigger after the show was gone yeah. to the point that it had to come back and yeah. it's just another thing that I, I guess we might say that it's more popular now than ever just like Napoleon Dynamite you could say the same thing yeah that's very true very true and it's so funny how that works i mean i'm i'm not even going to pretend to say that like i i understand how any of that works but like being a part of projects like that is amazing and it's in it's so uh it's so funny to watch each project's trajectory and and their their the project's life like those projects have lives of their own it's so interesting it's like you know obviously when you're making something you want it to pop right when you do it but right. it doesn't always work that way and it doesn't you know it doesn't especially at this point it doesn't it doesn't really matter because of streaming and and all of that kind of stuff is just um i think it's pretty cool how how projects can get that second wind when the right eyeballs get on it you know yeah and that's something that you live in and experience over like such a long period of time this thing now becomes such a a big part of you and you become a big part of it and yeah. you can kind of enjoy that experience not just six months after it's out but 10 20 years after it's out you're still able to ride that wave so that's pretty cool yeah i mean if you're lucky that's that's the case for sure. Like I'm, I'm very grateful to have been a part of several projects that have an amazing lifespan. And like, that's, that's one of the reasons that I'm really grateful for the streaming services too, is like even things that I didn't get to watch years, like I'm having the same experience as a consumer too. <laughs> so it's, it really creates space. For so many different artists and so many different projects to um to just exist and and find their audience and i don't know it's very cool it's very cool um something else that's cool and and i want to get your take on where you are at this it, this is almost a full circle sort of thing because we talked about you being young being nearly fearless, enjoying being in front of crowds. Now you're at a different stage of life where maybe it's not as comfortable, but now you're in this position and especially coming off of the pandemic, I guess you might have a unique perspective on this where you are able to go to places like comic cons and different types of conventions that are still celebrating in mass, like they're like, hundreds thousands of people celebrating and coming to you and wanting your attention and giving you attention and loving you it, it in its own way i feel like a comic-con type of event is like a stage show like you have to be out there and you have to be in a way the, the person that these people want to connect with how do you feel about that experience because i know that's something that has to just have a unique type of energy around it good or bad <laughs> it, it, it is unique that's a perfect way of putting it it has a very unique energy around it i've been to comic-con three times i think oh. each time has been a little bit different of, of an experience but i loved it i mean is it something 
that like my disposition could stomach every weekend. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's exhausting because there's so there's like you said, that energy, there's um it is a really intense atmosphere driven by so much positivity though. Mm -hmm. Like going to Comic Con's actually really uh, taught me a lot about fandom and about um, accepting my own fandom of things and not not having like guilty pleasures or whatever, just having pleasures, just having things that I enjoy and movies that I love and comics that I love and just really leaning into that. Like when you're at a Comic-Con, there's no way that you you don't, like that's that that's not contagious. Right. And um, it has gotten scary at a couple of moments because, you know, uh, when you bring that many people together, of course, there are going to be some individuals there that that take things a little far that sort of, you know, jarring. It, it's jarring. Yeah. But all in all, I I've really enjoyed my experiences there. I really have. And um, because you're kind of meeting the best of the best, like people have traveled there to see you, which is like the craziest thing to think about where, you know, like you're in your own little world on a set, making a project, doing this thing. And it's very insulated and, you know, it's not, it's not the stage show. And then when you realize like, holy, people are watching this, like, oh my gosh, and the connection and all of that kind of stuff, it, it is really amazing. Uh, but again, not doing that every weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Fine, fine, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I was about to give you a major pitch, but no. Nah. <laughs> um, this show, by the way, folks, this show not officially affiliated with any any convention event slash anything else. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, now we're really full circle here now because we're coming to the present. And as we said at the, at the top, we're talking about, uh, I challenger and you talked about using your gut and feeling the vibe of a project and that being the motivating force for you getting involved. It was that the case here? Is that what drew you to this movie? Yeah. I was very intrigued, uh, by Paul, the director. And I, I, He's worked with so many iconic musicians and I'm a big, I'm very into music and I come from the era of the music video and I loved his work and also James, I'd never met James before and he seemed like a lovely guy and he is so lovely and did not disappoint. But when I read the script, it was really about wanting to step into maybe more of the romantic world. Like I've, on Veronica Mars, I had, I had some, some romance and um, I've dabbled in it, but it was never sort of the driving force of any role that I have played. So I wanted to experiment and, and dive into that. And yeah, I mean, there, it, sometimes it's something as small as that too, that can, just make me want to go go do it i just want to experiment and try something new and go go play with new people and i had a blast and you're playing a cannabis dispenser a dispensary clerk in this movie which is 
a departure, I think, from the rules that we know you passed for, to say the least. Um, and, and let's just mention it here. Now, in the movie, joining you, of course, this is a cast. You got Coy Stewart, who fans may know best from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You got James Duvall. You've got MC Light. This is a cast, man. Um, Margaret Hill. Were, were you a were you an MC Light fan back in the day? Like, was oh, that? Hell yeah! <laughs> you know what's a bummer is that I didn't get to meet MC Light and I didn't get to meet Margaret Show, and I love both of them so much. I know, I know, but um, yeah, big fans of them. Well, if you guys are listening, check out <laughs> all the press for the movie. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta make a connection here. Maybe at a Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you out. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I Challengers out. It's on demand on digital platforms. By the time this is out, it should be out and available for everybody. Um, and it's been so awesome to talk to you, Tina. Is there? I mean, first of all, is there anything else you want to say about the movie? Anything? Because uh, you know, for for those who may not be familiar with it at all until watching this interview. Why should people check it out? Because it's a really sweet story. It's a buddy comedy, but it is a very heartwarming story. And I know that it's sort of, <laughs> I know that it's sort of framed as like the stoner comedy, but I think it has good heart. And if that doesn't do it for you, I have blue hair in it and I was <laughs> with it. So you could go check out my blue hair. <laughs> And it's Tina's biggest uh, romance on film since playing tetherball back in <laughs> 2004 with Napoleon Dynamite. So, <laughs> now listen, we we don't want to encourage anyone to go over any lines or stalk or creep you out in any way, shape, or form. But is there any social media in this world that belongs to you that you'd like people to check out to follow you on? Yes, I'm on Instagram at Tina Majorino. It's just my name. Come, come say hi to me. Instagram okay. is really, I mean, I have other ones, but Instagram is the only one that I'm on. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Tina, thank you so much. Good luck with this project. Good luck for everything that you're going to do from now on. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be seeing you continue to be celebrated over the years for everything you've done and everything that is yet to come. So enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a lovely conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you guys for checking us out once again here on Spotify or anywhere where you caught us. Please subscribe. Please share. Please follow. Please uh, do it again next time here on Celebrity Stage Stories. Thanks, guys. <laughs>